Marc-Andre Fleury's made his return for Vegas in a big way. The Ottawa Senators are struggling and have fallen to nearly the bottom of the Atlantic Division. And speaking of the Atlantic Division, we're going to break that down for you guys all on Episode 6 of Outside the Glass. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Thomas Robertson, and we have a handful of topics to discuss for you guys today. And we're just going to jump right into it with Marc-Andre Fleury. He made his debut, or not debut, but come back from injury, missed... 25 games with a concussion that he suffered uh, on October 13th in a game against Detroit. And he came back on December 12th playing the Carolina Hurricanes. They ended up losing that game in the shootout. But Fleury had an incredible performance and comes back again two days later to face his former team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Comes back right in time for that game and gets a huge win. We're going to talk about that game in a second. And with the win, Fleury improved to 4-1-1 on the season, a 2-1-3 goals against average, and a 9-34 save percentage. And those numbers are already incredible. But consider this. one In one of those games, one of those six games that he's played, is the game that he suffered that concussion in against Detroit. And he actually suffered that about midway through the game, midway through the second period, and he actually finished the game. At the point that he suffered the injury, it was 1-1, to and ends up missing 25 games with that concussion. So obviously it was a serious head injury. He finished out the game, so clearly he was not right after that. He was definitely already experiencing some symptoms of that concussion as he ended up letting in five goals in just about 30 minutes of play. So that that alone is bringing his statistics down mightily. So let's just think about if he hadn't suffered that injury. He would... let let Let's just say this. He was about halfway through the game. Let's say he lets in one more goal. We'll, we'll account for the same amount of shots. And let's just say he let in one more goal. I think that's pretty fair considering... He, Considering the season that he's had and how well he's played, honestly, it would be realistic to assume he would just shut them out completely from there, especially with a team like Detroit who's been struggling. But we'll, we'll say he lets in one more goal. If that occurs, Vegas would win that game as they put up three goals. He'd be 5-0-1. He would have a 1.5 GAA. In games outside of that six-goal game, he's let in one goal, one goal, two goals, two goals, and one goal. So he's had three one-goal games. Out of half of his games, he's only allowed one goal, and he would have a 9.54 save percentage if he was not, if he had not sustained that concussion. He had finished the game healthily, and assuming he would have allowed one goal from that point on, on about 13 shots that occurred after that injury, I believe. So 13 shots allowing one goal, I think that's pretty fair to assume. And that's just those are incredible numbers right there. Even if you just take out that game completely, his numbers are astonishingly good. And so he's he's the cornerstone of this franchise and I think they knew that going in as soon as they drafted him, they knew that he was going to be that guy and it's a risky move to to put all your eggs in the basket of a goaltender. Um I think that they were obviously banking on the future as well trying to build something but in terms of their success right now, they were banking on Andre Fleury to Mark Andre Fleury to steal them some games, and so it's exciting to have them back. But let's like just take a step back here, and how much of a difference will this really make for Vegas? 
because we all know they've had not only Flurry go down, they had two other goaltenders go down. So when he first went down, Malcolm Subban came in to fill the shoes. He sustained an injury. Then they have Oscar Danks come in, their third goaltender on the depth chart. He goes down. So they end up having to go with Maxime Lagasse, who was their backup goalie in their in the AHL. Ended up being a starting goalie for over a dozen games. And so let's 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 look at these guys' performance. Lagasse, six, six, and one. Which just look at that alone. That's very impressive for for a backup in the AHL to come into the NHL and post you know nearly a 500 record. If you don't account for the overtime loss, six and six. I mean six six and one. That's fantastic for a backup AHL goaltender. Three seven nine goals against average, which all things considered is not horrible. I mean if if you have an NHL goalie, a regular guy, or a, even a backup. Putting that putting that kind of number up, it, it's not what you want to see. But for for a guy that was in his position to be thrust into a starting position in the NHL, three seven nine, it could certainly be worse. Eight seven two save percentage again, not that great. But all things considered, he did his job. Six six and one is fantastic for for the position he was put in. Malcolm Subban played nearly a dozen games. So Lagasse played the most games in Flurry's absence right then, then Subban. And you look at his numbers, that's really impressive. He the the first game that he played the season was only his third game starting in the NHL. He posted a 7 and 2 record, a 2-3-3 goals against and a 9-24 save percentage. Those numbers are really really good. That's starting goaltender numbers. And that's what you want to see from a guy that cuz Flurry is, you know, he's Approaching, he's I think he's 33, upper side of 33. So he's getting in his upper years, especially with the concussion problems that he's had in his career, not just this previous one. He's had a history, an extensive history of concussion problems. So that's what you want to see from a guy that you that very well could take over the starting job in the not so distant future and be a guy that they lean on for for seasons to come. He has shown that he's a capable goalie. And he put up fantastic numbers. Oscar Danks, 3-0-0 in his games. 1-7-8 goals against and a 9-4-6 save percentage. Now those are, I mean, I understand it's only a few games, but that's very impressive. And that's, again, what you want to see from another guy that could end up getting a a lot of playing time in the NHL for Vegas or for another team if they decide to do something with him. But, so how much of a difference is Flurry? coming back going to make because these these guys that filled in for in his place really did a great job all things considered so Vegas is already sitting at, at 29 and 2 so now that Flurry's back I don't think it's smart as a Vegas fan to say oh now we're really going to turn on the Jets we're going to automatically become the Tampa Bay Lightning of the West. I don't think that's fair to say because the, the goalies that you've had in did such a great job already. You can't expect Flurry to do that much better than than what than the numbers that Subban put up or that Danks put up. So it's great to have him back. Trust me, that consistency, even with the performances that those guys put up, that consistency from what you're going to see from Flurry is something you're not going to get from those guys. Veteran leadership. He's a veteran presence on that team. And to just have that 
that there's an aura around him of a three-time Stanley Cup champion, such an experienced goalie and, and really a fantastic goalie, that it's it's a big deal to have him back. But don't expect Vegas to just win every game they play now. They were already doing so great that this addition, it can only take them so much farther than what they've already accomplished. But it's it's definitely exciting to have him back. That game last night against Pittsburgh, which we're just about to jump right into, he was fantastic. And Vegas won that game 2-1. to one. It was... It was a goaltender battle, but really more of just a defensive struggle in general because only 51 shots total in the game. That's 51 shots on goal. Um, Vegas put up 26 shots, and Pittsburgh put up 25. So, in general, a good job from both of those blue line units to, to, to limit the shot attempts. But, again, it was a great performance from both goaltenders. Murray, 24 saves on 26 shots. Flurry 24 saves as well on 25 shots and Flurry just looked fantastic. He looked 100%. Definitely they handled Vegas handled the situation correctly. They he missed 25 games, but you definitely don't want to put him in there too soon and and, and risk another serious head injury. So he looked fantastic. He had an incredible poke check to just come we came way near the blue line, came out and dove poke checked the puck away. Had Another incredible save where he moves across the crease and dives and kind of puck hits his chest. So he he looked like prime Marc-Andre Fleury, which is what you want to see if you're a Vegas fan. Nashville and Edmonton. Interesting game last night. Nashville comes out on top 4 to nothing, But Edmonton doubled Nashville in shots. I mean, Nashville wins... F- gets four goals only on 23 shots and Edmonton gets shut out putting up 46 shots on goal UC Soros in goal when I first saw these numbers I was like oh wow Pecorino stole the show last night but no UC Soros 46 saves on 46 shots an incredible performance had to be the best performance in the league last night with a 46 save shutout you don't see that nearly ever so incredible performance from him Edmonton it's been tough for them to get a streak going. You know, they've had they've been up and down recently and it seems like they they get a win here, they get a really big win where like, "Oh, this could turn around their season." and they just can't string together that streak of wins to get back to where they need to be. So, promising performance putting up 46 shots, but it's disappointing that they couldn't get the win there for those fans in Edmonton. Columbus Tops New York, New York Islanders, 6-4 to four last night. Josh Bailey gets a hat trick for New York. Tavares, the primary assist on each. This duo has been fantastic, but it wasn't enough. Columbus gets the win, 6-4, to four, and moves to tie for first in the Metro with Washington, but they have a game in hand, so they're, they're on top of that division, which we talked about last week. Stacked division, very deep. So, big win for Columbus last night to move to the top of that division. Also in the Metro, Washington gets the 5-3 win in Boston last night. 5-3. Washington 6-1-0 in the month of December. And the win against Boston moves them to 11 straight wins against the Bruins. The Bruins have not beaten the Capitals since... Well, the start of this streak was in October 2014, so they haven't won a game against Washington since since 2014. And they see each other at least three times a season, so that's quite the feat for Washington to beat them 11 straight times. Boston had won three in a row coming into last night. 
but they were not able to get it done. And Washington moves to second in that Metro division. Again, as we talked about, same amount of points as Columbus, but they've played one more game. And Boston is sitting at third in the Atlantic. So we're going to talk about that Atlantic division a lot more later on in the show as we break that division down. Boston becoming a player there. And that was a big win last night for Washington, especially on the road, as they've been really successful at home. They've had trouble getting wins on the road. So a big win. They got a West Coast swing coming up before before that three-day break for Christmas. So we'll see how Washington fares over there. That could be a big stretch of games in that Metro division. And finally... We're going to go ahead and get into our Atlantic Division breakdown. Tampa Bay leading that division, leading the league right now. They're the best team in hockey. I don't know what kind of argument anyone could bring to me to to try to convince me that this isn't the top team in the league. They've got everything going on right now. Vasilevsky, 24-1. 215 goals against average and a 933 save percentage. Their goaltending's been on fire. That blue line led by Victor Hedman, Sergachev, Girardi. They've got a bunch of great guys on that blue line that are holding it down. They have a plus 42 goal differential, so they're getting goals and they're not allowing a lot of goals at all. So Really working on both sides, uh, both sides of the puck. They're doing a really great job. They have 11 double-digit point scorers, so their depth scoring has been pretty solid so far. And obviously, Kucherov and Stamkos, 42 points each, 21 goals for Kucherov, 30 assists for Stamkos. So that that duo, we've been talking about them all year. They've been absolutely fantastic. So when you have those go-to guys that can get that can get that many points that quickly, but you also have nine other guys putting up double-digit points, that's the formula for success offensively. You have teams, you know, like Edmonton. They've got that dynamic duo with Dreisaitl and McDavid, but they don't have the depth scoring that they need. And then you have a team like Detroit, who has... Double digit point, uh, they have 11, 12 double digit point scorers, but they don't have those go to guys that are putting up 30, 30 plus points. So, when you have both, though, that's when you see this success on the offensive end, and that's exactly what Tampa Bay has right now. They've got the blue line and they've got the goaltending, so they've got every single side, every piece of the puzzle that you need to be successful, and that's why they're sitting at 23 wins, six regulation losses, and two overtime losses. Toronto is going to be second in the division. They're at 20-12-1, 41 points for this club. And the biggest thing with them is also, I'm just sitting here talking about the Tampa Bay's goal scoring depth, but look at Toronto's goal scoring depth. They have 13 guys with double-digit points, and that's been the cornerstone of their success so far. Matthews is at a point per game, played 26 games, and he has 26 points. So he's been phenomenal. He's missed six games. He's missed the last three games for them, I believe. So hopefully he can get back into the fold as soon as possible for them. Everybody likes to watch him play, of course, unless you're you know, a Canadiens fan or, or maybe a fellow Atlantic Division fan. But hopefully he can get back into that, into that lineup and continue to produce for them. But... They just have so many different weapons on offense. You know, they got 
that veteran presence in Patrick Marlowe, William Nylander, one of the young, many young guys, Mitch Marner, Connor Brown. So they've got a lot of guys that can put up a lot of points. And the biggest concern for them is, is their blue line. So they've got a couple of great goaltenders. Curtis McElhinney, their backup goaltender, has, has come up huge in his last few starts. Frederick Anderson has been a great goaltender all season long. But they're still allowing nearly three goals per game, which is right at average. And, you know, when you look at Toronto's lineup, you, you see you see above average. You want them to be performing well above the standards of the rest of the league. And this fan base is ready for them to make a deep run in the playoffs. So while they're only, you know, they're only allowing around an average uh, amount of goals per game, you still want to see them improve on that. Because that's not going to be good enough, especially come playoffs. It's kind of a cliche, but defense wins championships, and that's no different in hockey. You need a strong core of defensive players going into the playoffs that can grind it out and stop those go-to guys, especially on their side of the bracket. They're going to see a lot of offensively talented teams, teams like Washington, who has an Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Oshie, Backstrom, they're going to see teams like Pittsburgh if they plan to make it deep with Crosby, Kessel, Malkin. So you need a pairing that can go out against those kind of guys and shut them down. And they don't have that right now. So that's something to watch for them. That's their biggest concern is across the board blue line. But also, do they have that top pairing of guys that can that they can be put out whenever a top line goes out and they can shut them down? And that's what they're definitely looking for. And then from here, the, the division gets a little bit more interesting and a little bit weaker because this is a top-heavy division with Toronto and Tampa Bay. Third place in this division is seven points behind Toronto at 34, and that's the Boston Bruins. And 34 points at third place is lower than any other division. Every single division, every single other division's third place team has well over 34 points. So this is a division that Toronto and Tampa Bay can be very successful in. They can take advantage of the lack of depth in this division. And Boston has been hot lately. They got off to a slower start, but they've... They've performed fairly well, but again, this this is where the talent in this division kind of starts to taper off after Toronto. And fourth place is going to be Montreal at 14-14-4. They won their last four games in November. Carey Price returning from that injury was huge for them, but they're 2-3 and three in December. They've slowed down a little bit. They've tapered off. It, we've talked about them a lot on the show. Biggest concern for them is do they have those guys that that can put up a lot of points and we haven't seen that consistency just yet even though they did put up 10 goals on December 2nd on the Red Wings who are coincidentally sitting in fifth place in the division so Detroit's lost three in a row and the biggest concern for them is we talked about they have the goal scoring depth but they don't have those go-to guys that that can put up a lot of points Zetterberg is getting towards the back end of his career. Larkin's an exciting young player, but he's still not at the point where he's going to be putting up 70 points. So, again, they've lost three in a row. They 
embarrassingly let in 10 goals to Montreal in a 10-1 loss. So I think they have a long way to go as a franchise, and they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be looking at a playoff run this season. Florida Panthers are sixth in this division, and they have an exciting future, I think, with Vincent Trocek, Jonathan Huberto, and Alexander Barkov, all 30-plus point scorers, and they're all at age 24 or less. And that is very, very exciting. If you're a Panthers fan, these three guys are exciting to watch. They not only put up points, they do it in an exciting way. And I think they are taking this 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 franchise in a very exciting direction. Especially Barkov. His kid's only 22. He's got 30 points. And he's just got electric skill. So... The biggest concern for them is their goaltending, I think. Luongo is out for a quote-unquote extended period of time. And that's going to be a big blow for this team. They've got Reimer and Niemi. Not two guys that I think you can really lean on hard. They both have mediocre numbers, both below 900 save percentage. So... That's a big blow for them with Luongo being out. Depending on how long he is out, I don't think this team is going to do well in that stretch at all. I don't see them making the playoffs, but within the next couple years, expect them to be a playoff team with this young core of forwards that they have that are so exciting. And then you've got Buffalo in last place. They're building. They've got a long way to go, so it will be interesting to see how that franchise progresses, but this year it's not going to happen for them. And again, we... We didn't forget about Ottawa. They're seventh place in the division. We're just going to talk about them for 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 a little bit here. They're 4-12-2 since that Matt Duchesne trade. And they're collapsing. They were an above 500 team before this move was made. And it kind of makes you wonder, what was the urgency in getting that deal done? Why did they think that they needed this piece so badly? Because they were a very successful team before this trade. They were a team that had made the playoffs this season prior. They looked great, really exciting team coming into this season. That success had continued, and they were looking like a solid team. And then they make this huge move, and I'm, I talked about it on the show previously, right after it happened, and... I wasn't as excited for Ottawa. I think I said that they had lost the, the trade, that that all three teams did get a fairly good deal, but I think that Ottawa benefited the least out of the trade. And that's definitely what's happened so far. And they've gone 4-12-2. and two. Duchesne, only five points in 16 games and a minus nine rating. So... You bring a guy like Duchesne in to score points. There's there's no other way around it. You don't bring him in to be a good two-way player because that's not who he is. He is a point scorer. He is a guy that goes out and scores goals. And he has not done that for them so far. Only two goals in 16 games. I mean, give me a break. He is completely underperformed for this team. The team has suffered directly because of it. And on the other side of that coin, Turris has played 16 games for Nashville. Four goals, 12 assists. He's at a point per game with Nashville, and he's got a plus six rating. So a guy like Turris, you expect him to be that two-way player. But not only is he doing that, he's at plus six. He's done well defensively, and but, but offensively, he's put up the kind of numbers that you want Duchesne to put up at a point per game. So he, Nashville seems to have gotten 
gotten the biggest benefit out of this deal so far. The way that they've played recently, they're winning games, but Turris is also scoring points and performing very well for them. You just can't say the same about Ottawa. They're they're in near free fall right now with what they've been doing since this trade. Fans want Johnny Oduya out of the lineup, but Ottawa keeps scratching other players, and that's frustrating the fan base immensely. You've seen a lot, a lot of backlash from their fans about the decisions that have been made up top. Carlson, Eric Carlson, this is the guy in Ottawa. This is their franchise player. And he has a minus 18 rating this season. Only one goal. I don't want to look too much into plus minus, but as a top defender, you can't be at minus 18. And only one goal in the entire season. He's considered one of those guys in the league that can jump up and make plays offensively. But he's only scored one goal this season. He does have quite a few assists. I believe he has 18 assists. But only one goal. And and they're just getting scored against so much more than they're producing points. That pairing and Eric Carlson, the star of that team. So they, they're at 7th place in that division. And this was a team that I, I definitely would have predicted to make the playoffs coming into the season. And even right before this Duchesne trade, I said, absolutely, they look good. I think they're going to continue to look even better. Right now, I'm really not sure. Are they capable of turning this around with their personnel? Yes, they have They have a good lineup. They've got a solid core of forwards. They have a decent goaltender in Craig Anderson who hasn't quite played up to his ability yet either. And I think they have a very solid blue line as well. I think they have the pieces to do to get this done and to right the ship. But right now, it's not looking good. And not only is Duchesne not performing, he's changed the dynamic of this team. Again, they had that center in tourist that could do it all. And Duchesne is, is more of an offensive-minded guy. And that really changes the complexion more than you might think. So the chemistry's off. They're not producing. And it's been a struggle for them in Ottawa. Really, really big struggle. And we've got some games tonight tonight in the NHL to preview for you on Friday, December 15th. 7 o'clock. The Sabres are going to host the Hurricanes. Again, we talked about Buffalo last in that in that Atlantic division. Hosting the Hurricanes, who are at, sitting at 12-11-7. On, on the lower end in that Metropolitan division, but they've got a lot of young talent to be excited about. And I'd expect the Hurricanes to come out on top on the road in this game. Devils hosting the Stars. And this is going to be a fun one to watch for sure. Devil's been an exciting team to watch all season. The Stars have some young talent developing there in Dallas, as long as some of those veteran point scorers that can really do it for them in Ben and Tyler Sagan. So definitely, I think the over is going to hit in that game. Put your money on the over in that one. And I do like the Devils in this one. Rangers hosting the Kings should be another good one. Rangers again in that Metro Division, kind of middle of the pack there, trying to get some some points some some points together, would be a big win for them tonight against LA. But again, I think LA spoils the party in New York on the road. Put your money on them over under. I hate betting the under. If you know me, I almost never bet an under. But I'll tell you this: I wouldn't bet the over in this game. Red Wings host the Maple Leafs tonight. Talked a lot about the Red Wings. 
and some of their struggles right now. Toronto coming in, I I love this team. We talked about their struggles on the blue line, but again, their incredible offensive firepower and depth is going to lift them over the Red Wings tonight. I like the over as well, again, because of this, this blue line does struggle and let in a decent amount of goals, but also the amount of goals they can put up. I'd bet the over on nearly every Toronto game. So Maple Leafs in the over there. Canucks hosting the Sharks tonight. This Canucks team's kind of finding their way 14-14-4. They got a lot of young talent, though. That top line really looks good. Brock Besser, expect him to, to perform well as he has been all season. And this is a tough one here to bet, especially. But I'm going to have to, my heart's just telling me go with the home dog. So I would definitely go with Vancouver over under. That's really a coin toss. If I had to, if I had to guess, I would probably go with the over tonight in Vancouver. That's the 10 o'clock game tonight. So if you want to stay up late and check that out, that'll be a fun one as well. And that's going to wrap it up for the show today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode six of Outside the Glass. I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. And this podcast has been presented by the Pure Sports Network. Website's launching soon, guys. January, we're getting ready to launch. Going to have great content for you guys. Pure Sports NHL is going to be bringing you the best hockey content, but we're covering any other sport that you'd want. We're going to have it. College football, college basketball, NBA, NFL. So be sure to check out the website. It's going to be really exciting. And if you're looking for the best sports coverage and nothing else, come to Pure Sports. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'm Thomas Robertson, and this is Outside the Glass.